Kunasti, how are ye? Welcome to the Candlelit Tales podcast and the first story in our Battle Rage series. This episode tells the story of Laig, charioteer of Ulster, as told by my brother, Aaron Hegarty. This podcast is brought to you by our supporters at Patreon. You can join them over at patreon.com forward slash candlelittales or make a one-time donation to the PayPal button on our website. You can like, you can share, you can comment and above all, enjoy. But for now, Aaron, tell us a story. Leg was good with horses. He was one of the boys in the boys' troop, one of the first to see the shining one, Satanta, coming and joining the boys' troop at an incredibly young age. He saw his brilliance, he saw his skill, he saw the determination in his eyes that had seven colours shining brightly. Any boy that challenged him, he overcame them pretty easily. He outdid them and made a point of beating and humiliating them, to the point where Leg knew there was only one place he wanted to be, beside Satanta. Many of the others still began to moan and bicker that this young boy shouldn't have been let in at this age without a sponsor. But it didn't really matter. Leg knew he was brilliant. He beat three times fifty boys in the game of hurling, all of them doing their best, their utmost. The sons of the heroes of Ulster, the Crave Rua, all of them were no match for this young boy. He had seven fingers, a strange look in his eyes, three colours in his hair, lightning fast, a furious temper, and he was so eager to show that he was the greatest, he took on any challenge with stubbornness and strength that was greater than many horses that Leg had met. On the day he came back from Cullen's feast, he was called Satanta no more. Rumours about how he had killed Cullen's great hound spread throughout the boys' troop. All across Awanmaka, they spoke of it. Nine men had to hold that furious hound back. But Satanta had killed it with a slitter and then took on its name because he would march all the way out to Cullen's lands for a year and a day to roam around Cullen's lands to be his guardhound to make sure no one crossed his border and stole his goods Cullen was a smith he had many precious stones good metals to work with things raiders would want but no one got past the newly named Ku Cullen but after this Ku Cullen thought he had respect 
and he had an awful lot of it. But he had no friends, not in the boys' room. They gave him an even wider berth. This strange youth with godlike powers was not to be trusted with joking or playfulness because he would turn it into a fight and an argument and a show of strength always always proving himself so Leg talked to him Leg kind of liked him the strangeness he also didn't have time for all of the fighting and bickering and squabbling about who was the best champion or who would be the next great champion of Ulster claiming the champion's portion that oh so many of the boys would get into he was more concerned with the horses and he was good with horses so good he could simply guide a horse with a simple nudge a pat a whisper in the ear all he wanted was to be a driver for one of the greatest warriors he saw Crohor Magnassa drive off with his sister Dectra. He watched Dectra, Cucullin's mother, the charioteer driver of King Crohor Magnassa, drive the king's chariot, shining in red, gold, and jewels studded around it, and the beautiful horses tied so brightly and shining sharply the reins wrapped around her wrists and arms her hair flying back in the wind so effortlessly she moved them left to right all around on Maka he knew he only wanted to be in that seat with a great hero behind him a great hero that would claim the champion's portion And if he was the charioteer driver for the greatest warrior, he'd be entitled to the very same portion. This was certainly one of the reasons why Cúchulain became such fast friends with Laig, but also his loneliness. Laig spotted the sadness in his eyes the eagerness and desire to seek approval from everyone he met. Leg needed no approval. He was the best with horses. He was the greatest and would be the greatest charioteer driver when fully grown. So he sided up to Cucullin and simply said, You're the best there is. The greatest warrior anyone has ever known. And I'm the greatest charioteer driver. I'll be that driver for you. And that was that. Cucullin didn't need to challenge him. There was nothing to challenge. Cucullin wasn't very good with horses. He had no interest in them. But he wanted the best, always. And he wanted to write his name in the stars for storytellers to always recount the stories of him and his great deeds that he was yet to do. Leg watched as he went herring off one day 
taking up his arms, the very day Kaffa foretold that a boy to take up his arms on this day would lead a very short life, but his name would always be remembered. Lake watched as he fought and argued with his uncle, the king, trying to claim Lake would be his driver that day. Grohor Magnassa, the king, would hear none of this, of course, and sent him off with someone else. Leg was upset for a moment, but smiled to himself, knowing that Cucullin wanted him by his side, and he would prove to be the greatest if he was just given the chance. Cucullin rode back into Awanmaka, with three heads knocking off the side of the chariot. The sons of Nachtin from Connacht, sworn enemies of Ulster. He'd killed them. And a battle raged, the warp spasm was on him. Everyone saw it. His hair stood on end, his muscles bulged, his knees had turned backwards, fangs instead of teeth he had, claws instead of fingers. He howled and shrieked. And Leg laughed as he watched the women running towards him and throwing off their dresses, only for Cucullin to shield his eyes to the naked bodies and backsides. They cast him into a vat of water then. It bubbled and boiled, evaporating into thin air. The second vat of water still bubbled. The third finally cooled him, and he returned to his normal size. He always had a bad temper, and Leg was the only one who could talk to him in a way that might entice the anger to be pointed in a different way. If he was ever needing some form of encouragement to fight properly, Leg would call to him. You squinting idiot, come on, do better than that. And he would. But the day that Cucullin came to him looking for horses was a day Leg was anticipating for a long time. The two young men went about all over Aonmaka in search for great horses. And every time Leg showed him a good pairing, even if one horse had a slight dip in the shoulder on the left side, he was sure he could even it out with a horse that was strong on the right. It was never good enough for Cucullin. And then a shimmering, a twinkle, a blink that he nearly missed. In this gap between the space and the doorway, a light shone so bright he had to cast his eyes down and a man with flowing blonde hair stood there. Lou Lawfather. Cucullin's true father. It was true. He was one of the two a day. He whispered to him something inaudible that Leg missed. But then in his shimmer the figure was gone and Cullen turned to Leg with a beaming eyes, bright and smile. He said that he was off to claim his horses. He disappeared for three days and three nights. Leg didn't know where he had gone to. Rumours that he was off to find the Grey of Maka. 
and the black of Shangli. These mystical creatures could not even be truly real, Leg thought. But then they heard it, the clamoring of hooves so loud they thought forty horses were coming down upon them, and Leg saw Cucullin riding bare back upon the whitest horse he'd ever seen, with a mane like sea foam, and a shadowy dark black horse as if he was made of shadows itself, riding towards Owen Maka. Cucullin landed next to Leg and told him to find bridles for these two mystical horses. Now Leg had to do his best to keep himself from squirming with excitement. He was so eager to now try out these amazing horses. He knew they would spook, and so he steadfast and resolutely began the way of training them with bridle. He had to attempt to get them used to the smell of the tack and the stirrups, the reins. He would hold them up to their noses, the flaring nostrils of the shangling, the black bristly mane, the tail that swung and seemed to shake the shadows around it, the wispy watery smell of the grey of Maka. As he pranced about, letting everyone know he was not to be controlled. How Lake could actually command these beasts was beyond him. So he simply started a hundred days of getting them used to the smell before he even went about putting the tack between their teeth, putting the leather up on their back, tying the stirrups to them. A hundred days again to show them the chariot latching them on, tying them set, but not moving, for he was afraid that if he tied those reins around his wrists and the black went right and the grey went left, he'd be ripped in two. Even the shaking of their hooves could shatter the chariot. The axle could not hold it. They would have to be working beautifully together. They would have to listen every command they gave. After a hundred days and more, and a hundred more after that, he tried to put them on to the chariot. They went off, but always the grey would turn his left. The grey wanted to lead, the black wanting to, and so Leg's voice had to ring out true. Still, it was tough for them to listen to him. Only when Cucullin was there did they seem to settle. Leg knew he had to do something about this. So early one morning he told Cucullin they must go to the far northeast of the island, to where the deep, tall cliffs plunged to the sea. They would ride up and down the cliff edge, he said. Because if they don't listen to us, they'll pull us off and we'll die, but we'll die with them. 
Soleig yoked the chariot and brushed the hair of the grey of Maka. So smooth was his coat, so soft he smelt the sea foam from it. He whispered into his ear, Grey of Maka, you listen to me. I'll be there for you if you'll be there for me. Black of Shangling, you beautiful beast, we'll work together, the pair of yous and me, because otherwise you'll rip me in two. The horses seemed to snort as if they knew full well they could take him apart. They rode off that day at sunrise and did not come back till the sun was setting. Normally, Leg was used to whipping horses to push them hard, but that day it was all about control, waiting and watching them stop and slow at a guide, easing them left and right, riding along the cliff edge so they would learn not to pull to the left or to the right, only where Leg would point them. Drenched in sweat, they returned to Awanmaka. The two horses were under his command. Leg loved these horses more than anything in the world. He loved Cucullin, and he watched him fly off to Skark's Island only shortly after he had brought him down to Emer so he could face his match his equal in every way. Cucullin was brilliant. He was the greatest. Leg loved him like a brother. Until the day they went to the feast in Awanmaka. You see this day, long after the training of Skalk, long after he had taken Emer as his bride, the great Cucullin, always beside Leg in war and fighting, was unsure this day because he wanted a feast in Dundalgan, and in Dundalgan Cucullin wanted this feast to be had, but King Crohor Magnassa, he wanted a feast in Awanmaka, and the two butted heads, and and Leg knew full well Cucullin did not do well when people butted heads. And so he would not let this go, and so they had to agree to do the feasting in both halls. One half of the night would be up in Dundalgan, one half of the night would be in Awanmaka. They'd start it in the King's Hall and drive down to Dundalgan to Cucullin's home. This was the plan. Leg was the messenger. He was so tired from going back and forward between these two houses and these two stubborn men, he began to become mildly disillusioned then with these prideful humans. But then the feasting began and Leg thought he'd enjoy the day until the door was snapped in his face by Cucullin, who told him to stay outside and watch the moon and wait until it was in the middle of the sky and by that time they would go back down to Dundalgan. Well, Leg didn't like the sound of that, but he drank 
himself outside, a little bit silly and stupefied. As he heard the merriment and making going on inside the king's hall, he was furious at Cucullin for leaving him outside him, the greatest charioteer driver in all of Ireland, left out by the great Cucullin, who did he think he was anyway, and by the time the moon was in the middle of the sky, then he knew it was time to drive to Dundalgan. He yoked the chariots, all of the heroes of Ulster came barreling and boasting and blurting out who was the greatest, what fight was the best, who had killed more men in the most recent battle. Always, always contesting Well, they drove down to Dundalkin and after yoking the chariots, his right arm on the black, his left arm on the grey, he whipped them into such a fury and such a frenzy they drove so fast and the the pounding of the horse's feet woke every babe in Ireland and Laig knew he had such a point to prove to drive faster than any one of the men of Ulster and they barreled back behind him and something came over him. The beating of his heart was like the beating of the raven's wings as he felt furious in the fire for being ignored outside now a desire to run and rip through the land coursed through his veins. And suddenly they looked up, and they were in Munster. They completely missed going to Dundalgan. They were nowhere near it. They were now in enemy territory. They didn't know where the hell they were. Suddenly they spotted a feasting hall, an invitation from a nice-looking man. They bolstered inside the smell of fumes and meat cooked and nice drinks to be had well that's all they needed really and as they entered in a cackle and a call came Kuroi Magdara <laughs> you'll stay in there Ulstermen in my metal hall and you'll all roast <laughs> suddenly they felt fire as fire surrounded the building they were in. The doors were locked. They realised there was no way out. They looked to Cucullin to try and get them out of this mess, and Cucullin leapt up on top, through the boards and a tiny hole in the ceiling, and landed outside. Nobody could do that feat. Nobody could even attempt it. Leg felt that anger coursing through his veins as he saw the men scurry around like scared horses. Foolish idiots, he thought, as they battered up against doors and walls all locked and the heat now burning against the walls. He knew full sure they had to be whipped into shape like horses lost. They had to be taken control of. All of them would have to push against the one wall. He tried to shout to these men, but no one would listen to him until he called, Keep Colin! Get down here, you fool! You squinting idiot! You've left us alone! Now all of us will burn and die! Sure enough, Cucullin came back because Leg was the only one who could talk to him that way. He dropped back in to the hall. Cucullin now got everyone's attention and he leapt back outside after all of the men would listen and agreed to listen to Lake. Right, 
Everyone, put your shoulder to that burning wall and Cook Cullen will push from the outside. Now listen to me and move at one. Go! Now! As he whipped the men into shape, they pushed and barreled against the wall. Drunk as they were, they still had their strength. And Cucullin pushed from the outside, and finally they toppled over the great and furiously hot burning house and hall that was built to trap them. Kuroi McDara's plan to kill the men of Ulster had failed. Leg jumped out the hole in the roof that was made by Cucullin's great salmon leap, and the rest of the men followed him. They got back to their chariots, Cucullin looking down at his feet, and Leg, the greatest charioteer, yoked the black of Shangleen and the grey of Maka, and whipped them back. Dundalgan. This podcast was produced and edited by Oshin Ryan and Rory O'Shea. You can find out more about us on our website, candlelittales.ie. And we're on all social media, so like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Candlelit Tales or send us a message or get onto our mailing list. For more videos and live streams, like and subscribe to our Candlelit Tales YouTube channel, which now has a Candlelit Tales for Kids playlist. Hashtag Tales. Liking and subscribing to our channel really helps us grow and get to more people. And if you're able to give us more direct support, you can chip in a few bob at patreon.com forward slash Candlelit Tales or make a one-time donation through the PayPal button on our website. We also do really like to hear back from you with your questions and requests, so please feel free to contact us directly or leave your question in the comments section below, because what we really want to do is get these stories out there, share them with as many people as possible, so anything you can do to help, we really appreciate. And we really appreciate you listening. Gurmila Magar.